Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, how was your week? My week was a bit rougher because my wife and I had to break it to our seven-year-old son in the second grade that his spring break was canceled. You should have seen his reaction. He was heartbroken. All kinds of tears flowed out from his heart through his eyes. Machine gun tears, crocodile tears, puppy tears. We even while holding him, I was holding him because he was crying so much that I promised him ice cream. It always made him feel better in times of, you know, pain and grief. This time he goes, I don't want ice cream. He just kept crying. His heart was broken. And, in, and just like that, both in small and big ways, sometimes we do feel like our world is coming to an end. And when it does, there's nothing that can actually convince us otherwise. And today, you might be going through something similar, maybe both big and small. I don't know exactly, and I don't pretend to, but God does, and and you do. And the whole point is, there's not a single fear or a single tear that's inconsequential to our Heavenly Father. You know, in fact, the Bible tells us in the Psalms that he keeps a record of every tear. That's how much the heart of God cares for us. In the Easter message is about taking a group, a community that was heartbroken, asking themselves if they would ever hope again. And the desolation and the despair they felt in that room, thinking that it was the last Easter. Jesus came back as he was risen to comfort them. Today, that's our theme for our worship service. How we can hope again. How the early community of faith found their hope again and changed the world. And how today, whatever you might be going through, you can find hope in the power of the resurrection and find hope for your future and believe that God has plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. So let's look at our passage in Luke 24 and find the reason for our hope. Hi, today's scriptures from Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you at Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And that is the word of the Lord. The question we asked in the very beginning was why we could hope again. The first lesson we learned from Luke 24 is we can hope again because our feelings have no bearing on God's promises. The resurrection was not contingent, was not predicated upon a strong faith community at all. What is the question the angel asks the women who came to visit the tomb that early morning? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? If you look at that, the resurrection event, the greatest miracle in the history of humanity, the greatest power demonstrated happened when no one saw it. And no one expected it. In fact, the women and the early disciples isolated into that one room thought that it was the last Easter. They expected to never hear the name of Jesus again. And they were wondering how they could pick their lives up. The greatest move of God usually happens when we least expect it. Because it's not predicated on how we feel or even what we believe. The resurrection did not happen because early believers did chants or fasted or prayed or their belief willed it to happen. No, it was completely independent of that. <laughs> I remember um, during Easter weekend here and during the Passion Week, my wife and I have gone through such a rough patch trying to take these um, you know, services, Good Friday and Easter, and we were really burning out. And you should see me taping these messages. How do I feel when I'm taping this? I don't feel anointed. I don't feel joy. I feel sometimes tired and cranky. And my wife's like, do you need help? I'm like, no, I don't need help. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I'm short and angry. And then I'm like, hi, guys. But I know that God's going to use this message because it's in my weakness. God's power is made perfect. And he's going to save and heal and deliver because his word will come forth. Because his power and his promises are not contingent upon this weak vessel or how I feel. <laughs> my wife was recording worship for this weekend. And, you know, our dog kept walking back and forth in our living room. And, she's, and she, I could hear it in recording. She was like, Brownie! No, move, move. And then she started recording. Hey guys, welcome to our Easter service. <laughs> the gospel story and the Easter story is completely the end of the human story. The early disciples weren't heroes, just like us. They were doubters. They had distortions. And they had many, many fears and issues like us. 
Easter is about the divine story of redemption. You see, the resurrection is not contingent upon our feelings or even our faith. And God's powerful move in your life is not even contingent upon how you feel. It's how he feels for you. It's what he wills for you. All you need to do is receive it. So how do we know we can hope again? Well, hope had nothing to do with us in the first place, right? So today, whatever you might be feeling, whatever you might be going through, come back to the tomb. Just come the way you are, the way you feel, and let the resurrection event, the promises of God that he has for your life come to fruition because he wills it, because he is good, not us. And I pray the Spirit of God will show you the areas in your life right now where you feel like that's dead and can never rise. No matter how you feel, right now the Spirit of God can perform a miracle in that heart of yours, take you from heartbreak to healing. And I believe that. So first we said that we can hope again because our feelings have no bearing on God's promises. Well, second, we can hope again because God's grace is solely contingent upon His faithfulness, not ours. Now, grace is something, by definition, that's unmerited. Now, yes, God's power and promises and grace is completely exclusive of how we feel. But that even moves into the layer and the provision of our faithlessness, our even unbelief. Now, if you look at verse 11, after the women experienced the angels in the tomb, they ran back to that room to tell the disciples that he has risen. Now, if you look at 11 carefully, what do they tell the women? They used the word, what they heard sounded like nonsense. Yeah, look at that word, nonsense. The disciples didn't just struggle to believe. <laughs> they were not just doubting. They literally eliminated the possibility of the resurrection because of the optics, because of the fears, catastrophizing the crucifixion. Yes, and I sympathize with that because in many ways, like we said, the Easter story is the end of the human story. And the hero, in the end, is God and Jesus. But the amount of lack of faith, the degree of hopelessness that our founding fathers of the faith had is perplexing and really wild. And it gives me hope about how I can turn to Him right now in my life. And I've experienced this in my own life many times as God spoke to 180 community. About a decade ago, God said to me in Panera during lunch, I want you to move to the city. We had no money. We were, we were a very, very young community. And, but it was such a strong conviction to move to Manhattan to start a church. Many of you that are now part of. And God would move. And so we contracted a broker to look for possible venues to move. And we really were hoping to meet at AMC Regal 
and 14th Fright in that iconic park of Washington Square Park and the train station right there with Virgin Records, for those of you who remember. And we had high hopes because God told us that he would secure for us a community, a church in Manhattan. We believed and prayed that Regal would open their door. Literally, after two days, they said no. We don't rent it to anyone. I still remember the moment telling our staff. I think we're playing basketball in Staten Island, and I told Henry, I said, man, we didn't get it. And he literally collapsed to the floor. And I think he felt this wave of unbelief. I think all of us did. I was just more poised than he was. And we were just like, man, did we, you know, not hear that correctly? And a lot of us that night slept with immense hopelessness and doubt and doubted our future. A couple of days later, we receive a call from the broker saying that he has good news. And I said, what is it? Did we get regal? Did they change their mind? He goes, no, actually, when I contacted theaters in the city, I contacted AMC 19th. There was a manager there said that she was from Kansas City, which AMC headquarters actually at. And um, she said, I've worked with a church before in Kansas. I would really welcome them here. Our broker had to check with her four or five times because he didn't want to get our hopes up. He goes, are you sure? Because he's, and he called us back and he said, this is the fastest response we've ever received in Manhattan. He said, it's a miracle. I think uh, we were the first church to rent an AMC theater in Manhattan. And I laughed because what did we do? We doubted what God said in the light, in the darkness. And this is why I believe the greatest move of God, the greatest moves of God, usually happen when we least expect it. Why? Because we're usually stumbling and faltering, catastrophizing in our doubt, giving into our feelings, and sometimes eating away our feelings. I know I do. And that's the story of Easter, the end of the human story, giving birth to the divine story. You see, God was already moving when Henry plummeted to the ground and I slept restless, the Spirit of God was actually moving regardless of how we felt and even in our unbelief. His grace is not contingent upon even our belief or even our unbelief. Grace is unmerited favor. Do you see that? God is working in your life today. He ha the Bible tells us that he is the author and a finisher of our story, of our faith. He has a plan for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. So today, why can we hope again? Simple. His grace, which we do not deserve, is not contingent, even in our unbelief. It's contingent upon his faithfulness, not ours. That's good news. The resurrection event was not contingent upon the disciples believing at all. What a powerful gospel. What, what good news. So what's, what can we do today to hope again? 
look up. That's the message throughout Lent. Don't look within. Don't look around the news cycles and the media and different figures. Look to him. Look to Jesus, who is already working behind the scenes, even when you cannot tell, even when you cannot see. He won't ever let you go. As we close today, I want you to think about the tomb, the empty tomb, and what was guarding it. When the women came to visit Jesus, they saw stones that the Roman government, particularly very careful and cautious that no one would steal Jesus' body, got rocks that weighed tons and tons so that no even group of people could pick it up. I bring up the cornerstone, Jesus Christ today, that rock that was removed as the greatest altar in history. Throughout the last couple of years, we talked about creating altars to remember the things that the Lord has done in our life, how he saved us, how he healed us, and how he set us free and filled us with his spirit and love. Going back throughout the history of scripture, the first altar was created in Genesis when Abraham, like I said, he wasn't obsessed with rocks. He just put rocks together and compiled it so he could remember how God moved in his life, how God called him, and how God saved him in Mesopotamia, the dangers and threat, and called him and said, I will bless you and make you a blessing, make you into a great nation, and make you a blessing to the whole world. And I said that these altars that we create in our lives, whether through pictures, whether through different mediums, remind us of the things that the Lord has done. Why can't you hope again? The greatest evidence of why we can believe in future grace and that he would be gracious to us and faithful to us is the resurrection. That tombstone and that rock that guarded the tomb is clear evidence that the resurrection is the greatest altar. It is proof that God will move any barrier in our lives because he's the author and finisher of our story and not us. And when we doubt, look back to the resurrection. Look back, yes, not only to the cross, but to the resurrection. For the resurrection, the power of God is not contingent. His promises are not contingent upon what we will do, but what He will do. Not what we have done, but what He has done. Look back retrospectively to that empty tomb and make that your greatest altar. The stones that weighed tons and tons, the irremovable rock, that was moved for our sake, for our good, for our future and our destiny. And because of that empty tomb, we can hope again, even when we go through the greatest despair, because he can resurrect anything that has died in our lives today because of that moment back then. So today, will you lift your hands and pray with me and invite the Spirit to pour out that love 
that began 2,000 years ago. Amen. As we come to close our Easter service today, I want to invite you to lift your hands wherever you might be around the country and around the world. The Bible tells us that the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but power. My mentor, Layton Ford, spoke to Muhammad Ali once. He said that his major boggle with Christianity was that it was mud pies. Thing what Muhammad Ali misunderstood is that the kingdom of God is not about just heaven. It is about power that can change our lives. Power that's accessible. The Bible tells us that the kingdom is not a matter of talk about power, but it also tells us where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It is not contingent upon our faithfulness, and it's not even contingent upon our belief, but wholly contingent upon his goodness, his graciousness, and his goodness. It is through Christ we have the victory, and it's because of Christ we triumph. The Bible never tells us to be Christ. It tells us to do things, to overcome in him, to live in him, to abide in him. So today, let's sing this song and claim our victory, whatever is going on in our lives. His power will change our lives. Yes, we have the victory in Christ. Whatever you might be going through today, I want to let you know that the resurrection wasn't contingent upon our belief, our faithfulness, our obedience. It was completely contingent upon his plans, his promises, and his goodness and faithfulness. And that does not change today. God has the power to change your life. All you need to do is to turn to him and look up and ask him to move in your life. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people say, Amen. Blessings. Happy Easter to our family, from our family to yours. Hi everyone, my name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 180 Church and we're so glad that you were able to join us for today's Easter service. We hope that it blessed you and gave you perspective and hope during this unusual time that we're all in right now. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to continue to keep God in the center of your life, which also includes your finances. You can give through the online payment methods shown on the screen here. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about small groups at 180. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis 
and where we can dive a little deeper into the word and share what's going on in our lives and share how the message had impacted us. Um, we have a few different groups that meet throughout the week and that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with one and you'd like to be, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged into a right group for you. On the topic of community, we have a virtual 180 cafe on Discord where you guys can come through and hang out anytime in different chat rooms and groups on that channel. And it's an easy way to stay connected um, with our community, community and also check in with one another. Uh, our next announcement is about social media. We have a few different um, social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love our posts during the week. Uh, we have our Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you guys can read through the Bible with us. Um, we have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Uh, our pastor, Dr. Sammy, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Cam. Um, we also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC where you guys are all watching the sermon right now or you can check out our other media content there. Um, we have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us at 180BRG and also at 180 Church. Uh, we also have a, podca a podcast called the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you guys can tune into the conversation of going a little bit deeper into the word um, and listen in to a commentary that's shared by Pastor Lydia and Joe Liu, who is a member here at our community. Um, and our last announcement is our prayer text hotline, which is available on text at 5397 prayer or via email at prayer at 180church.tv. Uh, this is a resource for everyone and anyone in our community or just visitors who are joining us for the first time today. Um, especially during this difficult time, we all need prayer and support. And there's a prayer team ready to help pray for all the things that are on your heart and any requests that you guys may have. So please use this resource um, and take advantage of this, um, especially during this time. That's it for all of our announcements. Um, thanks for joining us today, and I hope you all have a blessed Easter. See you all next week. Bye.